Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hello everyone, welcome to Stem Cells at Lunch Digested. Today we have Yeva Berjanskite with us. Welcome. Hi Ines. Um, my name is Ines. I'm a PhD student and a research assistant at the Center for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine. Today we're going to talk a little bit about um, spinal uh, injury, right? Yeva, do you want to explain to us in like three or four sentences what is your research topic, please? Yeah, so uh, I've been researching potential therapies for spinal cord injury patients. And uh, the topic I am interested specifically is uh, using stem cells or neural stem cells in particular. So after there's an injury to a spinal cord, we would hope to fill that injury and replace the missing tissue with developing neurons and that they would reconnect and restore the network. And so how do you get these uh, neural stem cells? Yeah, so actually, recently, embryonic stem technology and induced pluripotent stem technology allows us to derive neurons or neural progenitors from scratch. Uh, so uh, in the case of induced pluripotent stem cells, we can take a sample from a patient uh, of the skin, and when we treat them with certain combination of proteins uh, called Yamanaka factors, we can convert them into stem cells. And then from there, we can use stem cells to derive neural progenitors. People have studied uh, neural development over many years, so kind of using that knowledge, we can apply specific molecules that induce uh, neural fates during development. So for example, for spinal cord treatment, perhaps we would be interested in deriving spinal cord identity neurons. Uh, actually, in my PhD, I was interested in studying how specifically interneurons could uh, be used in treating spinal cord injury. So that was a big part of my PhD, trying to find out how I could derive these interneurons from stem cells and how I could uh, purify this population and then use it for spinal cord injury treatment. Um, so this is becoming a really popular sourcing of uh, neural progenitors or other cell types for cell transplantation uh, in clinics as well. And interestingly, in Parkinson's disease, um, this field is a bit ahead in neural stem cell transplantation and they have recently also started sourcing these cells from human stem cells and they seem to work quite well. So there's of course a bit more research to be done, uh, but I think in future this will be the main technology for sourcing the cells. That sounds really interesting. We can make new things out of other things. <laughs> yes. So you were saying interneurons. Um, why why this specific type of neurons and what's their role um, to be that important in uh, spinal cord injuries? Yeah, so more and more we're learning about the composition of spinal cord and uh, it seems to be composed of the main cells that are uh, motor neurons, uh, but also interneurons. And interneurons really receive uh, a lot of the connections from the brain 
and they're like the switchboard uh, in a circuit. They receive signals from the brain and they also process them and then send the signal down to motor neurons. Motor neurons are more like the neurons that conduct the, the function. So they actually connect to the muscles in the body and they send the final signal. Um, so that's why using the cell that is really involved in bridging different subtypes of cells in the spinal cord and help to connect to the brain is really valuable uh, for, for this idea of reconnecting the network after the spinal cord injury. So what would you say that has been the biggest step uh, into spinal cord uh, injury research? Or what is it missing? Um, why don't we have this cure already? Yeah, it's a very important question. It's important that we keep asking, you know, is our research focused or is it? are we just kind of exploring blindly? I must say that there's a lot of ideas out there. So it's almost as if the neural stem cell people, you know, work together and then there's the um, motor re rehabilitation people and then there's electri uh, electrical stimulation people. I suppose sometimes we don't talk to each other. And I think that in future, especially for neural stem cell field, um, some sort of combinatorial uh, treatment will be the best option. Um, I want to mention that electrical stimulation is uh, probably has achieved the most so far. So people can't walk yet, but there's some um, induced stimulation that produces response from muscles. But it mainly relies on the spared tissue after the injury. So if there's any leftover tissue, then it um, is very useful to try and recover that function there. But if there isn't spare tissue, then neural stem cells could play an, a more important role because we are trying to replace the missing tissue. So again, perhaps electrical stimulation with the cells is also an option. Um, there's a lot of neuroprotective strategies um, that interfere with the you know, collapse of the tissue immediately after the injury. And again, maybe the combination of neuroprotective strategy with neural stem cells could be the best option. So scientifically, I believe that uh, neural stem cells, even if um, they do develop in, inside the spinal cord and connect to the host tissue, what will be important is to guide what kind of connections to make. And this can be steered by um, exercise. So motor rehab will be very important to link with the neural stem cell technology, just to make sure that the right functional meaningful connections are reinforced inside that graft. Mm -hmm. So would you think that um, we'll be closer to a cure in 10, 20 years? or closer to understanding the problem um, and how to maybe use this um, new tissue and to how to direct it? Mm -hmm. We're learning still a lot. Um, it helps when, you know, fields, as I mentioned, Parkinson's disease are already using these neural stem cells. It helps when other um, cell transplantation fields, perhaps for completely unrelated diseases, also are developing the stem cells. 
because once we understand how to use them, we will already know what kind of clinical grade level they need to be prepared to, to, to be used in clinical trials. So I think it's hard to say if in isolated uh, research how long it would take to achieve the goal, but because there's so much development in related fields, perhaps it will be unexpectedly quicker than uh, it seems now. So I wouldn't like to put uh, a year bracket for this, but I think that technology progress is moving exponentially, so I'm just hoping that this will be quicker than it seems now. Maybe we'll have an unexpected breakthrough. Yes, and all the, all the different um, components will all come together and we'll mm -hmm. learn how to treat this disease. So how did you get into spinal cord injury? What sparkled your interest in, in this specific yeah. neurological part? Well, interestingly, the neuroscience has not been the field I was interested in, but somehow... I've been getting a lot of experience and opportunities in neuroscience labs. So slowly, I think when I started understanding it more and more, I, I grew fond of it. Um, I was uh, very interested in stem cell technology. I think one of my main interests is uh, biology uh, advancements, so research methods and therapeutics advancements. Uh, I see there's a, kind of a big gap between uh, you know, for example, in, in informatics, um, I feel like there's a lot of new technology using different softwares, uh, but in our everyday lab, we use very basic tools to achieve our results, so I'm very passionate about advancing these technologies. So uh, when I started my PhD, I felt like stem cells is quite promising and interesting tool, and uh, there I was with Neuro again. <laughs> um, Perhaps um, trying to remember, uh, the decision-making was that it was a very interesting uh, topic that um, wasn't very mainstream. I think spinal cord, you know, we hear a lot about brain. Um, there's not so much of the spinal cord research, um, but it's, uh, you know, spinal cord injuries is, is, is very scary and a lot of people uh, are very kind of unaware of, of it or what it would, the life would be like. So a lot of kind of rewarding, very rewarding topic to research, I think. And then combining that with stem cells, it felt like a really kind of advancement in the field. Yeah, when you talk about neuro, I, I think most people will think about the brain and like mm -hmm. Parkinson's. Um, so to, to think that you chose, a, like you're saying, a non-mainstream. So it's more like Neuro chose you. You didn't chose Neuro, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, how? What are you choosing next? You just finished your PhD. How? How was it finishing in COVID times? How did it? Um, did it impair your research? Was there any anything that you feel like you could have done better? Um, well, weirdly, I feel like I had more time to think. Of course, we had a, a four-month break from lab work where we were stuck at home with our data that we have. Um, so I think one of the biggest issues that a lot of uh, lab scientists can relate is that we just do the lab nonstop and don't sit down to think about it. 
so it was really useful to have this time. Uh, and then uh, after this, the labs reopened, then I felt like I had a stronger viewpoint and stronger kind of troubleshooting uh, strategies for my next experiments. Um, so, so yeah, so COVID-related kind of thanks to it, maybe a stronger thesis <laughs> in the end. Um, and uh, yeah, so next I am going, um, I'm going to do a postdoc in, in Cambridge at LMB and I'm going to steer away a little bit from neuro this time, although it might still find me there. It might come back. Uh, it might come back because we're going to study um, direct reprogramming of the cells. So I'm kind of sticking to this topic of the cell uh, derivation from scratch, as I said. Um, but this time, direct reprogramming involves converting cells from one type to another. So instead of using stem cells, I will try to convert uh, cells, perhaps, you know, liver to neuron or, or, or something like that. So I haven't got the project, uh, the precise project yet, but I think it will be uh, related to cell conversion mainly and then trying to use it uh, in the most useful way. It's, it's going to be a bit more synthetic, perhaps um, converting one cell to another um, has some sort of cellular identities in between that might be even more useful for certain uh, you know, applications in biology than arriving to that final identity. So you started with stem cells to neurons, and now you're going from not even um, pluripotent cells, just fully um, differentiated cells and differentiate yeah. them. So I feel like I'm sticking to this idea of advancing technology. I think this project really um, attracts me because it has this uh, novelty to how we think about cells. It, does it have to be a precise identity? and so on. So yeah, I'm just very excited to see what this opportunity brings me. Just so, um, in a hypothetical world, what doors would this unlock if we get to the point that uh, we are able to just trans-differentiate cells? What type of power does that give us humans as to regenerative medicine and, like you say, advancing in technology? What, what do you think that will be the biggest finding if we get it? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not sure if I should go completely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> should we all turn into, you know, some dinosaurs? <laughs> um, I think um, if, if uh, trying to think in a bit more boring, practical ways, perhaps um, it would speed up and uh, make it a little bit quicker and easier. It's a bit like CRISPR, when we, we were able to edit genes and genomes, but in a very slow and inefficient way. So sometimes maybe that conversion through stem cell step uh, is just restricting um, our uh, you know, speed of conversion and um, it also involves steps uh, of going through aging differences that we are going now to embryonic state and then we're switching back to adult state. So having that adult to adult cell, um, I think, will speed up and perhaps uh, purify our final uh, cell identities. 
um, that they will be older. Actually, in the, in the neuro field, this is one of the biggest issues that we cannot mature the neurons um, completely, or using human cells, it takes a really long time. So in spinal cord uh, experiments, uh, might take oh, up to two years. And I know that in wow. Parkinson's, in Rodden research, when they used human cells for the first time, they, um, they checked, oh, I think actually maybe it was a clinical trial even, that after a year they evaluated the outcomes and there was no benefit, but somehow after three years they suddenly saw a huge improval. So that just shows that neurons do take you know, a really long time to connect and um, integrate into a network and mature. So I think this I, I, I see it as a just speeding up the technology and having more flexibility. Let's say you don't have the resource, um, you know, and in general, skipping the embryonic stem cell part um, makes makes things a bit easier. So that, that's my view about it. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really fantastic to to hear. And maybe in the close future, we'll we'll get this type of information. And on this uh, sci-fi note, we'll, we'll leave you here. Thank you so much, Yeva, for um, you, digesting your science for us. Um, and thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.